today's sponsor is Audible.com. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audible.com easy. That's www.audible.com easy. Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. And I was in the elevator the other day with my wonderful coworker and the associate beauty editor here at Real Simple, Jenny Jin, and we were talking about the show and she asked me if I'd ever talked to anyone about the idea of the quarter-life crisis. And I said that I hadn't, and so she began to tell me about hers that she went through a few years ago. So, of course, being a good friend, I stopped her so that she couldn't talk to me about it in the privacy of the elevator, but rather that she could talk about it on air with tons of strangers. I felt like that was a good solution. So, thankfully, she agreed to come here and share what she learned from switching jobs and switching industries, figuring out what she really wanted to do, and dealing with that crisis feeling that accompanies the question of, so what do you want to do with your life? So I want to welcome Jenny to the show. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thanks for airing it, literally, no pun intended, airing everything out over the radio waves. So why don't we start with kind of telling everyone, you know, what it was like to graduate college and where you decided and felt like you should be upon graduating at 22 years old and what went into that decision to set people up that you're a beauty editor now, but where you started a couple of years ago. Sure. So I went to the University of Maryland near D.C., and when I graduated in 2009, it was the peak or pit, rather, of the recession, and I was really desperate for a full-time salary job with benefits. I mean, it was a really low point because you go from happy hours and social gatherings and, you know, carving out this ideal life for yourself to suddenly help someone, anyone help me pay for my rent. I need to survive. So naturally, you know, it really was a numbers game at that point. I put out my resume to so many places just desperate to get a bite. And Mm -hmm. the first job that I ended up at was an environmental nonprofit organization where I handled their social media and I kind of dabbled in their marketing and PR and eventually ended up taking on um, the conference planning logistics for them. Okay, so you're in this event planning job, for lack of a better word, and where did you move after that? So at that point, I left behind my job and my apartment that I shared with my two best friends in Maryland and my boyfriend to take a job at a small investor relations firm in New York. And this all happened, mind you, in a matter of a week and a half. I literally came up on a Monday, got the job on a Tuesday, and was on a bus to New York the following week. And I wasn't sure even at that point exactly what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew that I wanted to be in the city. You know, and I totally bought into that whole, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Idea of this you know, awesome, sophisticated New York City lifestyle. And, of course, when you get here, you realize, you know, just how crazy it is and just how expensive rent is. And, you know, there's a lot more to it than what you see on all of these sitcoms. (laughs) Yeah, it's totally, I mean, it's, I don't know how Rachel and Monica afforded that apartment in Friends. I don't Uh, think that was a real thing. No, not at all. I mean, 
the writers later on went to say that it's uh, rent controlled and they passed it along through the yeah, family. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, I don't believe that for a second. Me neither. <laughs> Not possible. So you moved to New York, and how did you feel when you moved here? Like, did that is that when you started to feel like you were in crisis mode, or did it come later? So I think it was a gradual crisis that I felt. You know, it starts okay. off as this little question mark, and that kind of builds into anxiety, and then you're on a full-on identity crisis. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I don't know. At first, I felt really energized by the city and just excited by the possibilities. And, you know, at a certain point, you do start to feel, I don't know, a bit overwhelmed by it all, especially when you're not sure, you know, where your place is in a city like this. And, I mean, investor relations, going from an environmental nonprofit, social media PR to investor relations feels like a really big move. And to do that on top of moving to a city, like that would easily put me into crisis mode. (laughs) No questions asked. Absolutely. Did you feel, how long did you stay at that investor relations job? Did it feel like a good fit or was it kind of, you guys didn't really mesh? So if I'm, let's see, I was there for a little under two years, the investor relations event planning job. And Mm -hmm. I knew from the beginning that it wasn't where my heart was. But I also knew that it was kind of my means to an end. You know, this was my ticket to New York, and I would figure it out when I got there, you know? And what was that process like? How did you figure out what you wanted to do and ultimately to really switch industries? So honestly, someone wise once told me that if you don't know where you want to be, it's almost just as important and helpful to know what you don't like as it is to know what you do like. I've heard that too. Yeah, so it really is a process of elimination. And so I started very, you know, top of the line. Okay, what am I interested in? And I somehow landed on the word lifestyle. And I just thought to myself, you know what? I want to work in lifestyle. <laughs> okay. Um, and as you know, Sam, that's, that can be anything. That could be home. That could be food. That can be beauty. It can be anything that you want it to be, really. Right. Um, so I started by reaching out to editors and you know, publicists, anyone who worked in this industry in any way, shape, or form, I reached out to. And, you know, a lot of these people, it was just a cold email or a cold LinkedIn message that after, you know, looking looking them up and seeing what they did, if there's anyone that interested me on any level or, you know, if they had a career that I admired or I was just curious about what they did day to day, I reached out to them. And, you know, most people won't get back to you, but there are always those few gems that make time for you. You know what? Hearing you say that, I mean, that sounds so brave to me because whenever I'm having a day when New York just seems like a really big place and I'm, you know, some too many people pushed you on the subway or, <laughs> you know, you walk down the street and it just is like too much or, you know, you had mice in your apartment, whatever it be. Oh, right. I, you think, I think to myself, like, where, you know, if I could move somewhere else, would I move somewhere else? And I always get stuck on this idea that, I've built this whole network here. I have all these contacts here. You know, I've interned here. I I have friends here, coworkers that have moved around. So to hear you say that you basically abandoned your old network and started creating a new one off of cold emails and LinkedIn messages, like that just sounds so brave to me. Thank you. Was that hard? I mean, was that hard to do? Like, how do you, how did that feel to just kind of start fresh? I mean, I won't lie and say that there weren't times when I felt just kind of drained from it all because 
you just you do get a little discouraged, you know, if you don't hear back from someone or if plans fall through or after going on a million, you know, um, informational interviews or having phone calls with people, if it doesn't lead to anything, you do start to feel discouraged. But like anything else, you just kind of, you know, you, you think of it as one little step at a time, you know, mm-hmm. and that's how I managed it. So you're putting all these emails out and what was the first one that stuck? What was your first clue that maybe you should be going into magazines? Oh, how did wow. you end up where you are? So I, like many, you know, magazine editor hopefuls, you know, we follow a bunch of editors on Instagram and on Twitter, and nowadays it's so easy to have access to them in ways that we couldn't before. Too easy. (laughs) You know, I mean, seriously. And I remember reaching out to Eva Chen. Wow. um, Who at the time was the beauty director at Teen Vogue. And I just, you know, kind of poured my heart and soul out into this email, just telling her how much I loved her Tumblr at the time and how I'd love to pick her brain over coffee or just a couple minutes. You know, I just asked for a couple Mm -hmm. minutes of her time and I was so surprised and happy that she actually took me up on that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So at that point, even still, I told her, you know, I wanted to be in lifestyle and we tried to figure out what that meant together. And, um, What's funny is that initial meeting, she was telling me how difficult it is to get into the publishing world, particularly as an editor, especially, you know, a couple years out of college without any internship experience in that field. And I don't know, it it wasn't that she was steering me away from it. She was just kind of saying on her own accord without me even prompting how difficult it was to get into this industry. And for some reason instead of discouraging me, that idea kind of just started to blossom in my mind. I thought, oh, and you know, you just start connecting the dots. It's kind of that Oprah aha moment where you, it all makes sense. You know, I loved reading magazines growing up. I always loved writing and my favorite aspects of any job or internship I had involved the creative aspect and it involved the content creation. Like that's the part that I liked doing most. You know, I connected those dots and obviously what girl doesn't like beauty, but I was particularly obsessed, you know, watching my mom and my grandmother with all of their skincare regimens growing up and spending hours in Sephora and all the money that I didn't have as a college kid. <laughs> right. That's always, that's always a, a wallet drainer. Like those things that you're like, I'm that way with bookstores. Oh, like I don't yeah. need to be here for hours and spend all that money on books that I just don't need, but some for some reason, there are those little guilty pleasures, and for you, that kind of led to a job. Yes, absolutely. So how old were you when you when you met with Eva Chen? Like, at what stage in your life were you? I know you graduated, you were 23, moved to New York when you were 24, and then when did you meet with Eva? I was 24 when I met with Eva. I was just a couple months shy of my 25th birthday, hence the quarter life crisis. It's, you know, it's <laughs> really on the nose. That's the time when you realize, oh my gosh, I've been graduated for four going on five years. Why do I still feel like a kid? <laughs> I, I'm not, obviously I'm not there yet. I'm only 23, but I see what you mean earlier about it sort of starts to build. Like you can start feeling that sense of, I have to think about two, three years down the road and what that looks like. Exactly. So at, about shy of your 25th birthday, you were starting to that vision was a little foggy, it sounds like. Yes, 100%. I mean, you know, when you're 17, 18 years old, you think 25 is such 
an adult age, you think that you're going to be so established and have so much more figured out. And And you're not. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like when you were little and looked at juniors in high school and you're like, oh, Oh. they're so cool and awesome. And then you're a junior in high school and you're like, I know nothing. I probably suck. Yeah, it's awful. (laughs) Braces, the whole nine yards. Right. Um, And remind me how old you are now, which is probably something I should know about my coworker, but I don't. (laughs) I recently turned 28. So, Jenny, I want to hear all about how you're doing now, post-crisis. But first, we'll have a word from our sponsor, Audible. I'm a big reader. I love books. I love reading. But I walk to work a lot, so I can't always read on the go. So I just found out about Audible, and I just finished this awesome book, Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore. And it took me so long to finish it because I could only read it when I was at home, and I couldn't read it on my walk to work. Obviously, you'd run into things. But it's actually on Audible. There's more than 180,000 audio programs. And the best part about it is it's a different than a renting service in the sense that you actually own the books after you, you purchase them. They have apps on iPhones, iPads, Androids, Windows Phone. If you drive to work, you can listen to them in the car. If you're on the subway, you can listen to them on the subway. Anywhere that you'd want hands-free listening to all of your favorite books, especially if you're a reader like me. And the best part is Audible is offering Adulthood Made Easy listeners a free audiobook of your choice, and you can also get a free 30-day trial of membership. All you have to do is go to audible.com easy. You can choose from one of their thousands of programs, download a free title, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com easy. That's audible.com easy and get started today. So you're on the other side of the crisis and... Clearly, that meeting with Eva worked because whatever path you took, you're now, like I said, the beauty editor at Real Simple. And can you, I know what you do every day, but can you kind of describe to everyone what you're doing now? I think the best part of this job is that it's so multifaceted. I spend, I would say, I mean, three, at least three days of the week, I'm out on the market going to product launches and meeting with various brands to go over their new launches and I don't know, if there's a trending ingredient, they'll talk about it. Or, you know, these colors are, you know, coming out this fall. (laughs) So it really is a lot of fun. It's a very social job. And, you know, the thing is, in between all those meetings and those events, you know, we're still at the office cranking out copy for, or text rather, for the publication, as Mm -hmm. well as online. Right. And what's so interesting to me is, when you brought up to me that you weren't always a beauty editor, magazine editor, that, I mean, you seem so experienced. So I'm curious how you pitched yourself to magazines when you didn't necessarily have all the relevant experience on your resume. Like, I'm sure people would love to know how they can rebrand themselves in a way. Like, what was your rebranding process like? Right. Well, I think first and foremost, authenticity goes a long way. And I think that that's a big part of the reason why, you know, for instance, the woman in real life campaign does so well. Mm -hmm. So when you're pitching yourself to strangers, especially, and you're sending out these cold emails, if you can just be as sincere and honest as possible, I think that whoever's on the receiving end, I'm sure they've been through a similar experience where they were lost and they needed help from someone who was more established. So 
you know, that was really important in getting that first meeting or that first call and opening that door of conversation. But after that, it's, you know, it's about being able to parlay your experience from other jobs or, you know, activities outside of work. For me, that was saying, hey, you know, I did press materials for this nonprofit and I wrote copy for all of their marketing brochures. So I'm confident that I can be a good writer. You know, that's kind of how I positioned it. It's all about spin. Exactly. It's like going back to your high school resume when you were applying to college and, you know, you were on the speech and debate team, but you never really went to meetings and you probably (laughs) went to one debate and you really just did it to be in the yearbook photo, but you really spun it when you were telling colleges, (laughs) or at least I did. (laughs) There were so many things on my resume that I went to one meeting, but I was like, oh, I learned so much from being part of this team. And, you know, you do whatever you can to spin it. Right, right. I think, in my opinion. (laughs) I mean, there definitely was a bit of that, you know. It's like, hey, I'm in the Spanish club. I've only been to the first meeting, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'm conversational in Spanish. Right, that's like right, every, exactly. everyone's resume, something like that. Um, well, that's really good advice for rebranding. I think it is. You don't realize how much relevant experience you're getting at any job that can kind of transfer to a lot of different industries. And on the one hand, I think it's it might be discouraging to people who are like, but I went to school for this for four years. Like, you're telling me anyone can do this? On the other hand, it's kind of nice to know that you're not pigeonholed into whatever you're doing now. Yes, exactly. And if you really think about it, there's going to be a common thread. You know what your strengths are, you know, and there's a reason why you're good at it, whatever that talent is. And back to this idea of the crisis, how long did you feel like you were in crisis mode? Like when did you start to kind of breathe easy and and feel like you were finding the right path? Or are you still in crisis mode? (laughs) I would say... So the month leading up to my 25th birthday is when that crisis really started to gain traction. <laughs> yeah. And huh, I think that I felt relief once I got this job at Real Simple. Other than Eva Chen, which mm-hmm. not everyone has access to. <laughs> <laughs> She's a who did woman, you yeah. right? Who did you turn to when you were feeling really overwhelmed and like, who am I? What do I want to do? Who, who were the people that really helped you figure it out? Honestly, it's more like who was the person. And for me, that was my best friend who I met in college. And we were roommates for seven years or something ridiculous, attached at the hip. It really helped to talk to her about it. You know, especially, I feel like a lot of people in their 20s don't talk about the difficulties of navigating Yes. their lives, you know, it's all about that I highlight agree. reel, like what you see on Instagram and what you see on Facebook. Hey, I went on this awesome vacation, or I just got promoted, or I have the cutest dog ever. Yeah, so your best for you, like she was your confidant, and she kind of talked you through everything? She was basically the soccer mom I never had, you know, she's oh. so supportive, and we were able to make light of the situation, and commiserate together. And she's another example of, you know, or I think she's a better example of a success story, really. I mean, she somehow, you know, took her job as a publicist in D.C. and is now working for Twitter in San Francisco. 
Oh, cool. You know, so I think that's what I mean. It's so important to have these conversations. And I think that it kind of has a ripple effect and emboldens you to take steps that you didn't think you could or would before. And it's so much less, it sounds like at least, I can't really speak to this because I've only had one job, but it's so much less intimidating than it needs to be. You don't have to do exactly what you majored in in college. I don't even know if I asked you what your major was. What what did you major in? So I started off as a journalism major, but oh, okay. I switched freshman year, first semester, even before school started, to oh. communication with a focus in public relations. Oh, my gosh. And then you ended up in journalism. Exactly. That's kind of because, weird. You know, my thought at the time was there are so many more jobs in PR, which still rings true. You know, there are yeah. a lot more jobs, and I thought it would be more secure. But ultimately, I, I came back. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's kind of eerie. Right? That's, like that's kind of cool. So go back and think about what you originally wanted to major in. Exactly. Way I back mean, when. If you, if you think about it, how are you supposed to really know, except for with the exception of a few people, how do you really know at 17 what it is you want to major in? Right. Abs- you know? I mean, you don't. Exactly. There's no way. I always okay. said that you should, you, that we, you should be able, you shouldn't have to declare it so early. I think we had to declare right at the beginning of our sophomore year. Oh, and I see. sort of knew what I wanted to do, but so many people switched millions of times. Oh, yeah. Same here. Lots of my friends switched, even as far as, I don't know, I want to say beginning of senior year, one of my friends switched completely. Yeah. yeah. But it's a lot less scary to switch your major than it is to completely switch in- industries. So I admire that for you. Thank That's you. That's awesome. So I've asked this before, and I think it's a, it's a good question um, to get from you, that if you could go back to 22-year-old Jenny, who just graduated and moved in with her best friends and you could give her any advice about how things are going to end up or how she should proceed, what would be the advice that you would give her? Oh, geez. I guess I would <laughs> tell her to not worry so much, you know? Yes. That, as cliche as it sounds, it does, it does work out. You just, you know, stay true to who you are and what you love and what you know, and that will help you figure out what you don't know. <laughs> I really like the advice about it's easier to figure out what you don't like. That's a great way to narrow things down. Yeah, That was absolutely. a great piece of advice. Especially when you, there's so many possibilities or you feel like there are. Yes, there are. There's a ton out there. And you are definitely a success story. I had no idea that you were ever in crisis mode because you're always so put together and knowledgeable. <laughs> and I feel like you've been in journalism for 50 years or something. Oh, thank you, Sam. Coming from you, that's... Amazing. You're like the superstar. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, but it is great to always to hear from people who had that identity crisis and came out the other side. Um, So thank you so much for telling telling all today. And sorry, we couldn't talk about it in private, but I do appreciate you sharing your story with everyone instead. Oh, no problem. I'm happy to help in any way. I think that everyone, you know, should have some help navigating the 20s. That's why there's 10 million BuzzFeed articles about it and all these studies and books about, you know, the quarter-life crisis. So please feel free to reach out with any questions. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you, Jenny. And thanks to all of you for joining me today for Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover next time, just tweet them to me at SamZabelle and I'll add them to my list. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. And if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to review and subscribe on iTunes. And grab a copy of the book that has all the answers, 
The Real Simple Guide to Real Life. I'm Sam Isabel, and I'll see you next time.